Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Geis Show. This is Mark Geis, your host, and I want to get into a topic today. I'm going to jump right into it uh, that is it's tough for a lot of libertarians to talk about, and I think the libertarian community is pretty divided on how to approach this issue. And this has been one of the biggest issues in this entire election cycle. So it's been out there in the news, and you hear the left has a strong stance about it, the right has a strong stance about it, um, the alt-right has an even stronger stance about uh, about it. Really, everybody, everybody in real partisan politics seems to have a pretty strong stand on this issue one way or the other. And that issue is immigration, and specifically immigration into the United States, obviously. Talking about, if I'm talking about U.S. politics, I'm going to talk about United States immigration and how to treat legal versus illegal immigration and really what the best policy is for the United States. Now, how I always approach the immigration issue, what you've got to say, first of all, and I think a lot of people would agree with this. I have seen other libertarian viewpoints that, that make sense with uh, valuing private property the most. Really, the, the anarchist, the anarcho-capitalist position is that all, all property should be privately owned and uh private property owners would have the best incentive to keep people from coming onto their land. And if any one person wasn't defending their land well enough, um, people would rush onto that person's land and overrun that land. Uh, And so everybody would have a vested interest in protecting their own private property. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it from that perspective because I think that's kind of a it's, it's a logical view, uh, and I can definitely see where it comes from, from anarcho-capitalist philosophy, and that's kind of the pure uh, libertarian philosophy. But let's be honest, we can't get to that point. I mean, even the, the, my ideal world right now, maybe it's not the absolute ideal, but the, the ideal that could be most realistic uh, still won't happen. I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that this will never happen, but... Uh, I, I would advocate ending all entitlement programs, all welfare programs. And you would self-select immigrants that would be coming here to work, be coming here to make a better life, uh, a better life for themselves, rather than immigrants that are coming here because of the entitlements are coming here to leech off of the system. And I'm not trying to imply that all immigrants or even a, a large portion of immigrants right now are coming for that reason, but a lot of them are. And one of the most infuri- infuriating things about the left and one of the things I think has pushed some people from the left and maybe onto the right, maybe into more extreme thinking about this whole thing is that they characterize, they basically think that the, uh, the depiction of an immigrant coming here to take advantage of our generous entitlements is fiction it's a myth it's fantasy and it's certainly not i mean if you look at just migration within the united states it's certainly not a fallacy if you look at how certain groups of people certain people that are that are dependent on welfare certain people that maybe have been dependent on government benefits for generations upon generations they move from state to state to states that have higher levels of of government benefits higher level of taxpayer funded benefits and within states themselves, that happens too. People move from county to county if there are different rules within the different counties. And you see this happening within our borders. Of course it's happening with people coming from outside our borders 
to the United States. So if you were to end all end all federal entitlement programs at the very least, and then at least uh, at least you would have the states then be able to figure out what the optimal level of of uh, government of taxpayer funded benefits would be. So you ended all federal benefits. That would be my ideal starting point. And at that point, you could, if not open the borders, make them pretty darn open. And right now, they're not very open. Um, it's it's not easy to illegally immigrate here. Uh, it, it still is difficult. Maybe it's it's much easier than a lot of people would like, but it, it's not easy to, to uh, illegally immigrate here. And to legally immigrate here is quite an arduous process if you want to come here the right way. Um, but... I wanted to get that out there first because that would be my ideal, first of all, would be if I could have it my way, I would hope that all or virtually all entitlement programs would be gone. And I mean, I advocate for that if we're talking about immigration or not, because I think the evidence has shown that they do more harm than good. Uh, they, they suck resources from charitable activities that are much more effective at reaching the goal of helping the least well-off among us. Uh, they've shown to destroy the family in many communities throughout the country, um, concentrated specifically in, uh, in several minority races. Uh, it's destroyed generations of potential workers because they've seen uh, their parents become dependent on taxpayer-funded benefits, and they don't know what it's like they haven't seen somebody every day go to work. They haven't seen what it's like to provide for yourself and the pride that you can have when you provide for yourself. So that's a position I take either way. But I would be in favor of, of if not open borders, clo much more open borders if, um, if we were able to eliminate all entitlement programs. But how should we approach it in today's age? Because we all know that's not going to happen. Both sides, when they do fight over entitlement programs, it's over a very minuscule amount. It's talking about cuts far into the future. There, there's no realistic proposal out there that would cut things like, you know, Social Security or disability payments, uh, Medicaid, uh, food stamps. You know, all these things are going to be on the table for, if not for the rest of this country's history, at least as far as I can see, basically until I think this country's forced fiscally to admit that it can't afford these types of programs. That's when it would stop. But these aren't going anywhere in this election cycle or the next election cycle or the election cycle after that. They're not going anywhere. So how do we pragmatically look at the immigration issue and how should we approach it? I believe that immigrants are, are necessary, and I know it's cliche, but if you look at the history of this country, immigrant groups really have built this country. The original inhabitants were Native Americans. Uh, they now make up a small fraction of the American population. Uh, if you look at the groups that came over first here, uh, you look at the Spanish, uh, if you look at the, the English or the British, I mean, they were really, they dominated the country at the time of the revolution. Uh, there was a somewhat decent German population here, uh, some other different groups, but the English dominated this country at that point. But who built it from the time of revolution to 
today. I, I, also, I can't forget um, the the black population, which is here as slaves. I was obviously a, they were a huge portion of the population at the time of of the revolution, and only grew larger and larger over time. Uh, but if you look at the groups that have come here and have had the most success and that make up a huge portion of the population today, a uh, ton of Germans. Germans, I believe it's something like 50 million Americans have German ancestry. Uh, and the Germans were successful pretty quickly upon coming to the country. They had less of an adjustment time than a lot of other immigrant groups did. Um, if you look at the impact that Asians have had coming over here, you look at the Chinese and Japanese primarily and how successful they were coming from, you know, an even more drastically different culture, uh, much more different than Europe was to America, and how they started far lower than a lot of the groups that took longer to reach even the average. But within, you know, two, three generations, these Chinese and Japanese immigrant groups reached tremendous success. If you look at what the Jews did coming to the United States, and they rose very quickly as well. That's another one of the, the great success stories of the United States. And if you look at the, the rise of blacks after slavery was over, I know I'm not counting them as an immigrant group because they were here for generations upon generations because the slave trade had effectively ended. But their meteoric rise after coming out of slavery, you know, basically it was against the law for them to be able to read and write if they were enslaved. There, were, there, there was a decent free black population at that time, especially in the north, um, some, in the, some in the south, but very few. But their meteoric rise over the next handful of generations is also a great resounding success. Uh, I know it's not exactly an immigrant group, but it's it was very much like it. You know, a, a group of people going from being enslaved now to being full citizens. And of course, you can talk about they weren't full citizens for a long time because there there was systemic uh, laws preventing them from really being full citizens. But obviously, going from enslaved to even having a semblance of freedom, be able to choose where you're working and choose where you live. Um, that was a big deal. But all these things, these are all immigrant groups that came to the United States and were wildly successful. And some of them from far different cultures. Some of the cultures they came from were far more different from America than others. You know, people coming from Germany, I mentioned it before, that culture was much more similar to America than people coming from China or coming from Japan. Uh, but the important thing is immigrants have played a huge role in the development of the United States, the development of the United States into a world power. And I think it's something that most people are proud of. There always has been a nativist streak. And I understand it. I understand the viewpoint behind believing that uh, immigrants are a net negative. But I think it completely depends on who the immigrants are. And the issue that I have with the way the debate is framed is I believe that the left and the right, too, to an extent, they both treat, they, they both are looking at all immigrants as being the same, that, that it's a homogenous group, basically. But you could take, if you take all immigrants from a wildly different culture and try to put them into American culture, they are going to be a net negative, inevitably. I mean, it's, it's asinine to argue anything else. Uh, 
but the the left does this by treating by looking at all immigrants in the frame of the productive immigrants that come to the United States and want to work hard and want to make a better life for themselves, which a large portion of them are. I want to make that clear. But the right paints them all as people that are coming here to rape our women and the ones that do want to work are just going to steal our jobs and push us out of work. Uh, it's Both sides are equally frustrating to me. But what nobody really talks about is you can influence policy the way that immigration works right now, you can influence policy to control the, the group of immigrants that come in. And what I advocate for is a merit-based system of people coming to the United States. And I think what, what the United States did and why it was able to ascend to a world power, much of it based on the backs of immigrants that who, whose families had only been here for one generation, two generations, much of it on their backs, the reason why this happened was because the people that came to the United States were self-selected. So the United States really was the haven for free, for freedom. It was the place you could come and be able to practice your religion in peace and uh, where you had very limited government, uh, where really everything that had gone wrong in the society that people were coming to the United States from was not perfect obviously no country has ever been perfect but a far better situation so the people that chose to come to the united states think about how how tough it is and it's still very tough now but it was even tougher then when you had to endure these really hard sh uh, ship uh, journeys to get to the united states uh, some people died along the way you know you you never had contact again unless you went back to wherever you came from with your family and everything you'd ever known Today, it's still very difficult, but it's not quite on that level. With planes, we can get from one side of the world to the other in a day. Um, there's phones and Skype and so many ways to keep in contact with what we knew. You can follow your old news and everything on the, on the Internet. But back then, think about the type of sacrifice that took, especially if you're bringing your entire family with you, because your family also had to endure that journey and all the hardship that that took. So the people that came to the United States were self-selected for people that wanted to come and work. Because there wasn't this entitlement system, nobody was coming here to leech off of anyone else. They were coming here to work, coming here because it was an opportunity for something different and an opportunity to make something of themselves where maybe where they came from they couldn't because of the color of their skin or because of the religion that they practiced, or because they weren't born into wealth or born into money. Um, for whatever reason, those immigrants were very self-selected for people that aspired for a lot. And many immigrants today still, do, still are self-selected for that because it still does take a huge sacrifice, like I said, to leave everything that you know and come to a place, a lot, come to a place where you have more opportunity than where you came from. But now, because we have this, this large entitlement system in place, everybody isn't self-selected for that reason. Many people are self-selected because they're coming to, to leech. They're coming to leech off the system. So you still have these kind of two disparate groups. And the left likes to paint it all like they're all part of the self-selected group that's coming here because all they want is to work and an opportunity to make better lives for themselves. And the right is trying to paint all immigrants as 
the group that's coming here just to leech off of the system. But both groups are here. And those are the two disparate groups that you need to keep in mind when talking about the immigrants that are coming to the United States. What I believe, though, is if we're going to keep this, this massive entitlement system in place, you need to limit as much as possible the people that are coming from the group that the, that the right is demonizing. So de you need to limit immigration from the, the groups that are coming here to leech off the system. Of course, you can't have a perfect system. But I think a merit-based system is the absolute best way to go. And a, a merit-based system, there could be any of a number of factors where you, you look at somebody's work history, their educational background, uh, what skills they have. Look at any of a number of things. Uh, the H-1B visa, it's a good place to start. I know a lot of people... A lot of people in this campaign on both sides have criticized the H-1B program hugely, but I think it's a great way to to bring educated people, bring smart people to the United States. I think it's a great way to retain foreign students that are studying at universities in the United States uh, to keep them here rather than have them be educated here and then go back to their home countries or go, go to another country. Those are people that you want to have in your country. And that's what we used to do with immigrants when everybody was self-selected based on they were coming here to try to make a better life for themselves. And if you were talented and you were skilled, you had the opportunity to make as much money as, you know, more money than you could have even comprehended in your previous land. And there still is that opportunity here. It's, it's a little more difficult because government's gotten so much bigger. And... Uh, there are a lot more limits, I think, on how far you can rise. But this is still a country where you can go from nothing to something in one lifetime. And there are examples of it every single day. If you want to go out and find them, or, you know, even people that worked relatively common jobs but were smart with their money and are multimillionaires by the time they retire. I mean, that, that, that's a form of going from nothing to something but also of people coming here and first or second generation immigrants and now they're billionaires. There are tons of stories out there. Um, so I think what's important when we talk about the immigration debate is to call out the fallacies on both sides and both sides take an extreme view where the left wants to welcome in anyone and everyone that wants to basically and they embrace illegal immigrants which I don't understand. One of the things that surprises me the most when reading through some of these discussions is how illegal immigrants have been, they're obviously vilified by the right, but they've almost been held up as maybe not heroes, but as somebody, as something to be almost respected by the left, which I cannot believe, you know, that people can go on Twitter and say, Oh, I just graduated from high school and did this, this, and this. And oh, and by the way, I'm undocumented. That's the politically correct term now, I guess. But really, coming out and proclaiming openly, I'm an illegal immigrant, and I don't know how that they, I don't know how they stay in the country. But with the way our system is, and if you're going to keep these entitlement programs in place, you have to have a strong immigration policy. And I think our existing immigration policy is completely off the mark. So I think the whole idea of a diversity lottery for, for immigrants to get the opportunity to come to the United States, I think that's ridiculous. 
if you're capping the number of people that are coming here or trying to maybe it's a soft cap maybe it's not you know like we'll never let more than a hundred thousand immigrants in the united states in a given year i don't think there's anything like that um but if you're trying to have kind of a soft cap like a target a number of people that you want to come in uh, it's ridiculous to i hate to say it's waste some of those spots on diversity candidates it, it could be anybody it could be somebody strictly coming here to leech off the system and there are lots of people that come here through the diversity lottery and they bring their entire immediate family then their immediate family bring can bring over their extended family all it takes is for one person to come over and then you can have an entire group of people that are coming here with no skills that are going to have a very difficult time at contributing to the american economy and in many cases they become basically wards of the state they live off taxpayer benefits and that's their lot in life so the whole idea of a diversity lottery if you're trying to somewhat limit immigration to a certain target number we we need to get away from that idea it does far more harm than good and i'm not sure really what good it does i'm sure there are there definitely are stories and examples of, of people coming on the diversity lottery and having wild success. I mean, there always are going to be those examples. But I think on net, if you look at everybody that comes here on the diversity lottery, it's a ridiculous idea. Now, if you're talking about a merit-based system, there also is going to be given some weight. And there inevitably has to be given some weight into how quickly this person is going to be able to assimilate into American society. And so I think there would be a, maybe not an official preference for certain countries, but if you're looking at, so say you're interviewing someone for a particular job and obviously it's going to be merit-based how you're going to bring this person in. You're going to look at how is this person going to fit into the culture that I'm, that I'm trying to build at this company. Say that your company is focused on rapid growth and you have two candidates, one that has a go-get-em attitude and that wants to take over the world and that fits well in that type of environment, that person's obviously going to be given preference over somebody else that maybe is more laid back and more wants somewhere where they can be comfortable and maintain the status quo. It's the same thing if you're looking at a merit-based immigration system. So if you're looking at how people are going to fit in to a given country, to the United States, then it's important to take that into account. You need to. It's part of merit. You know, you could have the same education, the same work experience, and if one person's from Saudi Arabia and the other person is, is from Great Britain, preference needs to be given to that person in Great Britain because they are going to, in all likelihood, if you look at historically how immigrants from Saudi Arabia versus how immigrants from Great Britain have been able to assimilate, you're going to pick the person from Great Britain. So there's going to be, it won't be a, a racist position. It won't be a discriminatory position. If you look at things simply on how it's going to benefit the country, benefit the United States, that is what would happen. And I think it would solve some of the problems that we have, many of the problems that we have with Islamic terrorism in the United States and the fears that people have of, of Islamic terrorism. That's why Donald Trump's coming out and talking about a temporary moratorium on Muslims coming over. I, I think it was Michael Savage. I, I was listening to a blurb from his, his show. And I think 
can't remember exactly what he was saying. He was saying a lot of ridiculous things, basically, basically in the same vein. I think they were even more extreme than what than what Trump has been advocating. Uh, what Newt Gingrich said. Uh, th- there's just been a lot of a lot of dangerous rhetoric. I think about about uh, the fear of Islamic terrorism, and it's still. It, I don't think it should be quite the news that it is. It's it's something that we need to talk about, but it doesn't need to be the leading story every day because the chances of being killed in terrorist attacks still are quite low. And I think now you're seeing more and more of these terrorist attacks. They're basically, if somebody wants to kill a whole lot of people, there are many ways to. You know, you could say you could magically eliminate every single gun in the world. You know, illegal guns, legal guns, every gun in the world. There still would be so many different ways that you could kill a whole group of people if you really wanted to, if you're willing to die in the process, sacrifice yourself in the process. You can't stop a lot of this terrorism from happening. But I think a step in the right direction, and you would not be violating anybody's constitutional rights by doing this merit-based immigration system. But how many of, of these people would be able to come to the United States? Say if we were, say if we set a policy, okay, we're taking the best 100,000 people, I'm not sure what the number would be, 500,000 people, whatever you want to make the number, we're taking the most qualified 500,000 people into this country. How many of them would be the the ragged poor that make up a majority of these terrorist groups overseas? How many of them would fit that bill? Very few. These would be college educated. These would be very skilled people. A lot of them would probably be a little older because they already built up some work experience. A lot of people with families. You wouldn't see a lot of these lone gunman types, you know, these these 21-year-old uneducated people that seem to make up the majority of the suicide bombings that take place overseas. How many of those people would be coming into this country? And now also, so if you if you have this merit-based immigration system, that's the primary way that people can get into this country. You know, there also would be uh, marriage-based uh, people coming in because they're, they're marrying a U.S. citizen. That would still happen. But if the primary way that people are coming here basically with no ties to the United States... Uh, are not based on any ties they have with citizens of the United States. And if it was merit-based, you would not have those people coming to this country legally. Now you still have the illegal immigration issue. Now how do you address that? So I think we do need to enforce immigration laws. I think if, if you want any sort of respect for the rule of law, you have to enforce immigration laws. And this is one of the few places where the federal government does have constitutional authority to to restrict immigration or to enforce immigration laws. One of the few places where I don't think the government is is necessarily overstepping its bounds. It is overstepping its bounds if it wants to spy on people and and deport people, you know, deport US citizens that uh, believe in Sharia law. That's one of the things that Newt Gingrich was talking about. I referenced that earlier. Um, that would be overstepping its bounds. But the right to make immigration policy and to enforce it that is a that's a legitimate power exerted by the federal government so i think we need to change the immigration laws in this country uh, to a merit-based system like that and then enforce it enforce those laws and 
yes, you should deport people that are in this country illegally, that are, that are bypassing the laws of the United States. You need to. For anybody to have any respect for those laws, it needs to happen. Um, you're seeing more and more stories, especially out in the Southwest, where immigrants are committing a lot of crimes, and they're sitting in, in U.S. jails. They need to be deported when they are found. And it has nothing to do with me disliking a particular racial group or really me having any animosity towards people wanting to come elsewhere to make better lives for themselves. I have no animosity toward any of that, and it's nothing personal toward those groups. But at the same time, if we are enacting immigration law, it needs to be for the benefit of the United States. If we're still going to have these massive entitlements in place, you cannot have it both ways. So the left is going to have to choose whether it wants its giant entitlement programs or if it wants relatively open immigration. You need to pick one or the other. They're incompatible with each other. So I think libertarians libertarians rail against the entitlement state all the time, uh, and, and rightfully so. But I think we shy away from the immigration debate quite a bit because it's very difficult to have a purist libertarian view on it. You almost need to get pragmatic. Uh, and you almost need to qualify, if you're going to have a purist stance, you have to qualify it first with kind of this, not utopian world, but a world where government doesn't have the power that it does. That's where a lot of libertarians have to come at this issue from. But I think we need to be more pragmatic about our approach to immigration. And I think the pragmatic approach is to still have immigration. I think we still need it. We, st we still need fresh new talent coming in year after year. I'm going to use a company analogy again, but you need fresh faces that are just enthralled to be in the United States that really want to be here. You need that influx time and time again, especially the birth rate in the United States is low. So our population without immigration would stagnate or decline. Uh, really, I mean, what's keeping it up is illegal immigrants coming in the United States and the extremely high Hispanic birth rate is, that's really what's ballooning the West. What's ballooning California, California's population is exploding, especially Southern California's, widely due to that reason. Um, but if we want to maintain the birth rate in this country uh, or have the population slowly increase, you do need an influx of immigrants. So I think there, there, there are a lot of benefits of immigration, but we need to stop, both sides need to stop looking at all immigrants as being the same and stop looking at, that, looking at them as homogenous groups. And the most important part probably of what I said is that they are, immigrants are made up of two large groups. Obviously there are a ton of subgroups within them, but the groups that come here because they, they want and need the opportunity and they want to come here and they want to make all of themselves that they can in the United States. And there's another group that's coming to leech. So all of that being said, we need to be, we need to be more pragmatic about this issue. And I would really hope that Gary Johnson, especially if he gets in the debates, can make a point like that. That libertarians are offering a different, a different solution. And maybe it's not the exact solution that I said. I don't believe in Gary to really come up with anything good or anything thoughtful. But that we are looking at things a different way from these two main groups. You don't have to look at them 
one way or the other because one way if you're looking at it that if you're looking at the mainstream right way or especially the all right way you're talking about violating people's constitutional rights you're talking about expanding government power further in order to go out and hunt down all these illegals and deport them and you know target a particular uh, religious group and keep that particular religious group from coming into the country especially immigrating into the country i mean you're talking about huge government oversteps there and then on the left it's it's equally as ridiculous i mean you're talking about they basically if you take their position to the extreme they want anybody that wants to to be able to come to this country with it the way it is with all the taxpayer funded benefits and people think that's ridiculous too but they they look at it because that's the main debate that those are the only two positions out there and there are there is a nuanced position somewhere in the middle if you want to say in the middle there's another nuanced position to take where we still see the value of immigration we still can see how immigration helps this country but at the same time we don't have to either violate people's constitutional rights or have the country be overrun by people trying to mooch off the system. So thank you for that discussion. been thinking about it a lot the last few days, and really that's one of the topics that I think gives the liberty movement the most difficulty and probably where within the liberty movement there's the most disagreement, and I think people are kind of taking sides within the liberty movement. But I wanted to get my position out there. Hopefully you like it. I would love to discuss uh, any differences in that opinion because it's always a very interesting discussion to have. So thank you for listening. Hopefully I'll have another one out uh, maybe later this weekend or this weekend or early next week, I'm hoping.